SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Matthew Miguez. I am the Louisiana writer for UDD. Joining me is Brian Stone, the Georgia Southern writer, and Brian... You know, we have a lot to get into, and, uh, you know, right off the top, we're, we're going to talk about something that, at first, it's going to sound like it doesn't pertain to the Sun Belt, but just bear with us. Give us a second. We're going to tie it all in here in, in a second. Obviously, the big news in college football right now is the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma officially submitting their notice to the Big 12 that they will be leaving at the end of their media rights deal in 2025 and also applying for membership to the SEC. You know, briefly, first off, what do you think that's going to do to the state of college football right now, having that much firepower in the SEC? Well, I mean, first off, I think the the number one thing it's going to do is create an arms race among because with this move in my mind, and I think on a lot of people's minds, like the big 12 is downgraded. They're almost not a P five anymore. Like, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but the rest of the teams that aren't Texas and Oklahoma in that conference are not on the same level. I don't know whether you want to look at it from a football perspective, from a national recognition perspective, whatever they are. I'm, I mean, and I hate to say this because a lot of those teams have had good years, but they're just not the brand that Oklahoma and Texas are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those teams have. I mean, OU and Texas, OU and Texas have been doing it for for years now. I mean, obviously yeah. Texas has kind of fallen into a almost mediocre state the last couple of years, but but they have they have something behind them where people recognize them as right. a national everyone brand. everyone knows yeah. who Texas is yeah so i think what it, what you're going to see is any of those remaining teams that are hanging out and and this this extends beyond just strictly college football even because now you know like i read a rumor the other day that the big 10 reached out to kansas well that doesn't do anything for their football standing but right. as a basketball program that takes the big 10 way up way up i mean kansas is a is is to basketball what texas or oklahoma is to football right. like they're a national brand recognized all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, I mean, I think the SEC is kind of done with these moves. Like, I don't think there's any more poaching. I don't think they're interested in any other big 12 teams is basically what I'm saying. I think this is pretty much the extent, but you're going to see maybe the PAC 12, take a couple teams here and there. Um, you know, the big 10, like I said, mentioned Kansas was already mentioned uh, as potentially leaving. They could poach a team or two, and then it just becomes kind of the power four instead of the power five, because the big 12 is going to get poached left and right. And I mean, I hate to say it, but kind of the way that they stand now without Oklahoma and Texas in the mix anymore, they're on par with the American, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, you brought up the pack, the pack 12. Uh, I read a rumor the other day that Texas tech Baylor, and I want to say Kansas state, could be on the move to the Pac-12 if the Texas OU move went through. Um, 
And then I read today that West Virginia could be going to the ACC. The ACC was the other one I forgot to mention, but so, that, makes, that makes sense. And then, me. and then if Kansas I goes, think. if Kansas goes to the Big Ten, I mean, God, you have Iowa State, you have Oklahoma State. I mean, who, I mean, who, who it, else it depends do you have? On, it depends on how you want to look at some of these schools. So, like West Virginia, geography at least wise makes make sense, sense for the ACC. Absolutely makes sense in either the ACC or the Big Ten. Right. You know what I mean? Like though they're kind of right there on the border. Yeah, I never really understood the move to the Big Twelve with them, but I, I don't know. They they're the furthest team away from everyone else, like geography wise. So. Right. I mean, clearly it hasn't been an issue with like travel or anything, but you know, like I said, I think it's just going to like Oklahoma and Texas is like leaving is essentially like the, um, the USS Indianapolis or just like the sharks being in the water and they got the taste of blood. And now like these other four conferences are like, well, we're going to start extending offers to anybody that we want right? because they have nothing to lose at this point. I mean, it, it, the Big 12 seems like a sinking ship, at least. Oh, yeah. And so, you see, here, here's where things get interesting in, in relation to the Sun Belt. Uh, I read an article, and it was more of an opinion piece, um, but it had it had some, some viable um, rumors to it. Like, hey, don't be surprised if 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 happens. And one of the big things that he brought, this guy brought up, was... Don't be surprised if the Big 12 starts filling their empty spots with teams from the American. Cincinnati, Memphis, Central Florida, um, Houston was in the mix. I think Wichita State was in the mix to kind of bring back some basketball power to the Big 12. So Can I I just break just really quick? I I think that from a Big 12 perspective, there are a bunch of teams that immediately spring to mind just based on geography alone for me. Like, I'm looking at the list of schools. You know, Houston makes a ton of sense. You've already got, you already had the Texas teams. Like, who knows what happens with Baylor, Texas Tech, like you mentioned. We we have no clue. Right. Houston immediately sprung to mind. Makes sense. Well, this makes sense. SMU makes makes sense. Because... They used to be a huge football power, and obviously the death sentence that they got handed and, down. Yeah, and everything they're like they're that. slowly getting but back to Texas. where they were. Yeah, but they're also in Texas, right? I mean, and then you know, like I'm looking at it. Even if you wanted to make the extension and say Tulsa, like Tulsa makes yeah. sense from a from a geography perspective, and they've had some good football teams. I mean, they haven't been quite on the level of you know they don't have the historical right recognition right. but i mean if if they wanted to start trying to rebuild from the ground up like do, those do three you, teams do immediately you, spring to mind do you maybe talk to arkansas because i mean let's let's be totally honest outside of baseball arkansas hasn't been very competitive in anything in the sec recently so maybe from from an arkansas standpoint they feel they could go to the big 12 and be competitive i don't i don't know i mean i had this talk with someone the other day and i didn't really get a good like answer one way or the other, but if you're the ACC, do you start trying to poach Kentucky and Vanderbilt? I mean, yeah, you're not going to get Vanderbilt um, for, for two biggest reasons, obviously baseball, uh, the SEC wants to do everything they can to keep that in their wheelhouse. And also the SEC needs Vanderbilt from an academic standpoint, 
not saying yeah. not saying that the other SEC schools are bad academically, but Vanderbilt is just from from an academic yeah, they're standpoint, they're away. just in a league of their own, and the SEC needs they're going to do whatever they can to hold on to that. Um, so they'll well, they'll pay they'll pay Vanderbilt whatever they have to to keep them in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, and and I totally get that. Um, but but, yeah, but Kentucky, mean, that's an that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation because. Kentucky, I mean, I hate to say it, they had a they had a good year about two years ago in football, but they are a basketball school, right. and I think anybody who's a fan of Kentucky would tell you that. Well, the ACC is the is basketball very, conference. It's a very heavy basketball conference. It is the so basketball like, conference. So it's like, you yeah, know, it's a sure. little bit of an exchange there where it's like, God, could, could you, you imagine getting? Could you imagine Kentucky Duke twice a year? Right. I was basketball? about to say, could you imagine that being a freaking conference game? That would be. Oh, Kentucky man. plays Syracuse as, as more times a year. I mean, I'm an, I'm an all around sports guy, but I'd like to say that my forte is basketball. So, I mean, mm-hmm. as a as a basketball getting to watch Duke and Kentucky twice a year. Oh, dude, I'd be in heaven. Yeah. I mean, Florida State teams right. like that. I mean, right. Any of that. So, I mean, I brought that up as a possibility because I mean, full disclosure for the listeners. I live here in Kentucky, so I, I talk to a lot of Kentucky fans right. and they have outwardly acknowledge that with this move there is zero chance they will ever play for an sec championship again 100 in football in football as as, um, as won't a couple other schools that are currently in the sec yeah and uh, yeah I, I do think that's interesting when you brought up arkansas though because there are a couple teams like that geographically that are, it makes sense they could probably compete in the new big 12 they were in that southwestern conference that right. was huge um you know, with SMU and Oklahoma and Texas. And right. I think yeah, those were the, the I, big I, eight or could, something that, like that, that at the time. Make, that can make a lot of sense. But yeah, but, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair game for any team to and, move. At and this then, point. and then here's where, here's where it gets incredibly interesting because if the big 12 takes teams from the American, which in my opinion, that's the likely move. Sure. Um, the Americans are going to need to fill spots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and where do they go? You're going to the Sun Belt. I mean, that's the next rung, right? Down. You're, you're going to yeah. the Sun Belt, or you're going to get the top Kusa schools, mm-hmm. or a mixture of both, which is probably where I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just took the best of the best, right? From each you're I mean, you're gonna if you if I, if I'm the commissioner of the American, I'm calling Louisiana, I'm calling App State, I'm calling UAB. Maybe even Louisiana Tech, as much as it pains me to say that. You're going to call Louisiana Tech. Hell, you might call Georgia Southern. No, I, I think I think us and App are a package deal. I think you have because you got to take. Up, yeah, the, the rivalry, right? Yeah, you moved up. We moved up from FCS together and we picked the we were both. So, in the same conference. so then so. let's let's do this. Say saying that rumor that I read is true, that the Big 12 is going to take five teams from the American yeah. Louisiana App. Georgia Southern, UAB, LaTeX. I mean, it makes uh, sense. I, I mean, mean it, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt anything. From you guys, a, you guys keep your rivalry. We get to renew our rivalry with LaTeX. I mean, I. Uh, I mean, we could schedule if if they're really married to this Georgia State Georgia Southern thing. Like, we could make it work right. once a you, year. You, to play you could schedule. You could schedule at a conference every year for sure. Yeah. So. And I mean, from the Louisiana perspective, you know, in this scenario, 
Tulane would stay in the Americans. Tulane, right. And you would have another Louisiana school included. Hate them too. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it makes it, it now it, now it kind of shifts the entire way that you look at the conference to the South versus where it used to be like, you'd get a Cincinnati right. and you'd get a, but you get a Tulane as well right, to like balance it all out. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it becomes kind of the junior ACC almost when you look yeah. at it. And, and you know, it, it's funny. I, I had somebody ask me, they're like, you know, if UL got to move to the American, would you be okay with that? And now this was, this was a person that, that doesn't really follow, you know, intently. Right. Sure. And I said, are, are you kidding me? Of course I would. That, that, that's a, that's a Sunbelt fans dream. Yeah. I'm, like, I mean, just up the we, ladder. We are a Sunbelt podcast, but I do want to say there, the American has that has built up goodwill right. amongst like viewers and voters and all that kind of stuff that the Sun Belt that I'm frankly sorry to say probably will never have. You, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it is what it is. The Sun Belt is not ever going to be seen as a premier the top conference. G five conference. Yeah, it, it's it's just all right. because. And we talk about this, but I think the one thing that really hurts it is every year it feels like you can pencil in the top two yep, or three teams. For sure. And, and, and the last couple of years in the American, it's been anybody's game. Yeah. And and so the lack of parity hurts the Sun Belt in this scenario because as much as you want to point to Louisiana and Coastal and all those teams and go, these are some good football teams. People are going to look at Louisiana Monroe. They're going to look at... South Alabama's bad years. They're going to look at Texas, Texas State, State and go, okay, but you guys are a top-heavy conference that has a lot of has some bottom feeders that like haven't right. moved, and the lack of parity hurts from the outside because people only the, the American peek has in once in a while. The American has Navy, yeah, like, and 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 no disrespect to Navy, they're a decent football program, but. Well, and, and let's let's be totally clear here. The reason that Navy is in the American is not from an athletic standpoint. Mm-hmm. That is not the reason that they are in the American Conference, right? Um, so I mean, really, when you look at the American, that's really their only bottom feeder, so to speak, and and they're average. Navy Navy's up and down. I mean, yeah. they've had some. You know, they're the same way as like Army. They they kind of ebb and flow. And I, I would say. They're really contingent on their upperclassmen, and if right. they don't have a strong group For of sure. upperclassmen, they struggle. Is essentially what it is. And and you know that, that that's crazy to think about when you look at the American because we're calling. I'm saying that Navy's basically their worst team, and they're a pretty average football team. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the American they're, doesn't they're have like six bad six teams. A, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, like you Navy's said, he's like six, six, six and six on average, right? So I mean. When you average out the ten and two crazy seasons where they have, you know, a great quarterback under center and they're the the, the options popping and no one can stop it, right? And, and then you you average it out with like a four and eight year like they had I think either last year or two years ago. I mean they're they're like roughly a seven and five. And team. then also like when you balance it. Also, let's be totally honest. As long as they beat Army, it's all that matters to them. Well, Army's had their number as of late, so yeah. it, it ha- that hasn't that hasn't happened for a little while now. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think any of the the fans of those schools that we proposed, you know, even if they didn't look at Conference USA and just took the top four out of the Sun Belt right. and said, 
or whatever, or, you know, four or five, however many spots they want to fill. It's, you know, if they took Louisiana coastal, uh, app state, Georgia, Southern, and maybe a fifth team. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know who you would take. It feels like it would be like Troy or Arkansas state or something would be your fifth team. Right. Maybe Georgia state if they like that, but I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, we would absolutely welcome it because it's a step up from a national perspective. Like people would view our teams differently if we right. were in the American versus the Sun Belt. And I hate to say that as a Sun Belt podcast. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 lo- we love the Sun Belt. However, if the American came calling, I don't think that that's going to be a no. Yeah, I mean, it, no offense, it'd be the same way as if like the ACC or whatever came calling. Like, right. We would none of we would none of the fans of these teams would, would go right. No, no we're let's gonna, let's stay we're where we're stay at. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So now now that we've gotten a little bit off course, let's 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 get back to season previews. And this week we're talking about the Appalachian Appalachian State Mountaineers. Excuse me, I committed a cardinal sin. Appalachian State Mountaineers. You know, looking at their season last year, nine and three, uh, with losses to Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, and I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Marshall. Marshall was their third loss. Um, you know, looking at who they had last year, who they have coming back, they returned seven starters on offense, 10 starters on defense. Obviously, the biggest hole they have to fill looking at their roster is at quarterback. Uh, Zach Thomas was a was a four year starter, had a phenomenal career up in Boone. Now you turn your attention to Chase Bryce, uh, a junior transfer by way of Duke, and before that Clemson. Uh, people might know him from his time at Clemson. He was Trevor Lawrence's backup. Um, you know, looking at his one year at Duke, subpar numbers. Uh, completed less than fifty percent of his passes. Had about twenty one hundred yards. And what did he, what did he have? Ten touchdowns, ten touchdowns, fifteen picks, fifteen picks. Yeah. So I mean, sub Riddle. subpar numbers. Uh, however, looking at his roster at App State, he's got weapons, man. Yeah. So the the thing that stuck out, I mean, two things stuck out when I first started picking through the what App has returning is number one. Cameron Peoples, the running back, is going to be the focal point of he's, their offense. He's nasty, man. He's he's nasty. So, he's very good. I mean, he's very good. Um, you know, he's going to be the focal point of their offense. They want to run the ball, limit the amount of mistakes that they could potentially make. I mean, no offense, especially when you have a quarterback coming in who just threw more picks than touchdowns last year. And just just talk about talking about Cameron Peoples. Look at his stat line. He ran the ball 168 times last year for. 1140 and 12 touchdowns. He averaged seven yards a carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, especially, I mean, again, don't, don't take this the wrong way, listeners, but especially in the Sun Belt. I mean, dude, if you average seven yards a touch, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And, and the second thing that I was going to get to that stood out was how many receivers that they had coming back. Yeah. Now, now on the surface, obviously you lose your your leading your reception leader from last year, Thomas Hennigan, to the draft. Um, but, no, Tom, I mean, Thomas Hen- Thomas Hennigan's back. Oh, he is. Yeah, Hennigan. Sorry, ESPN didn't have him listed on this year's roster, so that's that must be a mistake. Um, okay, so you get him, you get Malik Williams, you Corey get Jalen Virgil, 
I mean, he's got three D he's got three real receivers to throw to plus Cameron peoples back there. Yeah. And then don't, don't forget about Corey Sutton. He sat out last year due to COVID he's back. So, I mean, you got probably got, I, I want to say, I mean, they've got the deepest receiving core in the conference. For sure. So for sure, if, if something doesn't go right for app this year, it's not going to be an app problem. I think it's going to be a chase Bryce problem. Chase Bryce problem. Absolutely. Which I guess then becomes an app problem. And then, and then, you know, you go to the defense and obviously the big name that sticks out on that piece of paper is Demetrius Taylor. I mean, For he, sure. he, I can remember it was, it was his sophomore year cause he's a senior now. Well, hell <clears throat> with an extra year of him, it might've been his junior year. Uh, app state came to Lafayette on a Wednesday night. And I can remember the first play of the game that we had the ball. We ran a little play action bootleg with Levi. And I don't know where the miscommunication was on our offensive line. But Levi does the play action and curls on that bootleg. And when he turns around, Demetrius Taylor was right there. (laughs) And I I mean, I didn't see Levi's face, obviously, but I'm sure he sat there and said, oh, like, what what, what do you do? I mean, Demetrius Uh, Taylor, 6'1", 285. And on the end, you know, he's quick. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a you got a big 285 pound man that's fast coming at you. Yeah, I mean, what do, what do you do? <laughs> say, a, say a prayer and hold on to the football? Yeah. So I, he's coming back. He's a big uh, addition to this year's team. You got two very good linebackers in DeMarco Jackson yeah. and Trey Cobb. Absolutely. Uh, the one big hole on the defense, and I guess the team as a whole from from what I can tell, I mean, other than Zach Thomas, is Shamar John Charles. Yeah. Uh, you do get... Corner who, you you do yeah. you do get Sean Jolly back, which which is a, which is a big, uh, big plus. You know he's he's been a leader in that secondary for a couple of years now. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Shamar John Charles. That's a humongous blow from uh, from a season ago. I mean, he only had thirty seven tackles, but he broke up sixteen passes on the year last year. Yeah, I mean. Generally, I, th- I feel like if you're judging cornerbacks or defensive backs, tackles are not the best metric well, unless right. they're a box safety. Because if if they're racking up over 55 plus tackles, that typically means the rest of your defense wasn't very good because that means people were getting to the secondary before they had a chance to react. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, 37 tackles from a from a safety. Pretty yep. impressive. And then to go along with 16 PBUs. I mean, you, first team all conference. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. And, uh, yeah. you know, now now he's in the NFL. I mean, outside of John Charles, like you said, Jolly's uh, coming back. But, they, you know, three of their four starters on the back end return for this year. Yeah. Um, you know, this is one thing also just going back to the offense that I meant to mention. Um, I'm looking at some statistics here. Uh, it looks like they finished eighth in the Sun Belt in red zone percentage on offense. So yeah, that's they, something they weren't good in the red zone last year, man. They weren't. Well, I, I think I, I think they're a little and people can correct me on Twitter. I'm sure they will if I'm wrong about this. But I mean, <laughs> I've gotten the vibe the last couple of years, even going back to um, Drinkwitz and now Sean Clark is they're very conservative, almost to a fault. 
Um, I did see some some app fans were angry during some of their losses last year about how conservative they were. Um, you know, one of the things I saw was people saying, you know, Drinkowitz would would throw the ball if he felt like they needed to mix it up. And, you know, you can chalk that up to Sean Clark's first year or whatever. But I mean, I think that conservative play kind of kind of bites you when you're in the red zone because there's only so many routes you can run with your receivers and, right. and running the ball. Everything becomes very condensed. So, I mean, that may be a reason for it, but I'm I, to say I project the defense to be very good again the one question mark is at the quarterback position for me essentially yeah and uh, i think i think anybody that that keeps up with with app will will agree with you on that one thing that's interesting is if you look at the national numbers on third down conversion percentage app state was fifth in the country last year at just over 51 percent um so i mean that i don't i I don't have those stats in front of me, but I feel like when I watched them, they did a good job on first and second down, kind of keeping the the third downs to a short yardage situation, right. which 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 boosts that percentage of converting those. So, I mean, yeah, some of it you could chalk up to how well they run the ball with Peoples and and their receiving core, but yeah, I mean it it takes guts to convert third downs at that rate. So, I mean. And you see, I'm looking to see where they finished nationally in red zone percentage. Um, you know, one one another thing that I want to talk about. You brought it up a second ago. Is the first last year was the first year for head coach um, Sean Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, ob- obviously you can't judge too hard on on the first year. But what what were your thoughts on? his first year and in ways that maybe app state can improve. I mean, the, the one vibe first off, I, I think he did a really good job for it to be his first year. Um, now who could have first saw coastal making the run that they made and just surging in the East and kind of taken over where app had been the last couple of years, you know, who could have seen that coming? Um, you know, we certainly didn't. So, right. I mean, 10 and three, I would say that's a success for your first year. Now, where you go from here, I think, is where you could run into some trouble because I think expectations are high uh, because, like I said, you're coming off of Drinkwitz. You're coming off of um, Satterfield before him. They've set a bar at App that this team needs to be in the race for the conference title every year. Oh, yeah. Now – where they stack up with Bryce at the helm versus where they were last year with Zach Thomas is as far as where they are with coastal that remains to be seen. I I think they're going to give coastal a test, but I mean, I've seen, we said this last week, I've seen Grayson McCall do it in the Sun Belt. I've seen him be successful. I have not yet seen Chase Bryce. So I'm giving the edge to coastal just based on that. For sure. Um, Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I felt like he had a really good year. And uh, I mean, the one gripe that, that, like I said, I had heard from app fans, at least on Twitter, was how conservative the offense was. Yeah, the, the offense was way more conservative than they've than they've been in the past. And, you know, to go back to the previous conversation, red zone offense, App State finished 108th in the country. And that's uh, out of 120 127. 127 teams. 
they they converted seventy five percent of their red zone possessions last season. It's it's not great, and no. also it has to get better. It has to get better because if you're going to compete like with the Louisianas and the coastals and everything else, you, you got to convert yeah. those. You have to. Yeah. You know, if, if I, if I may brag, uh, we finished 77th in the nation last year. I mean, that's not really, yeah. a, that's not really a brag. Um, no. <laughs> we, we were, we were right about slightly 80, better. We were right about 81%. Yeah. Uh, red, red zone conversion. And, you know, let's see just for, just for fun, the team that finished first, Eastern Michigan, they can conv- okay. they converted a hundred percent of their red zone trips. Can I just say something really quick? And I don't want to get off topic with what we're talking about with app. Are we sure that Eastern Michigan wasn't one of those teams that played like four games? They played six. Okay, so they, they didn't six. get like a full slate. Well, no, but, okay. but I mean, still right. 28, 28 red zone possessions, and they converted on all of them. It's like let's crop this down to teams that played a minimum of eight games last well, year. <laughs> yeah, we, we we would we would have to do some digging to look at that. You know, looking at App State's schedule this year, they come in according to Phil Steele, you know, the the football guru. Mm-hmm. I, I look at his magazine every week when we do a preview. Uh, his schedule difficulty has him listed at number eighty one in the country. They open with East Carolina on a Thursday night, which could be could be a good game. I'm going to give the advantage to app. I think they win that game. I I've co- East Carolina has had some bad years. So like, yeah, I, I don't know where they're at as a program, but I, I I'm going to by default, give it to app. Right. So, and then, and then you go to Miami. I got to um, give that one to Miami. I mean, obviously, but like dear King is back for another season. I, I think they're going to have a real trouble stopping him. Yeah. I. Uh, that's definitely not going to be an easy test for for app in that one, like you mentioned with De'Aaron King. And then they come now, back. The one bonus that I'll add is Miami lost both of their defensive ends to the draft. So maybe they true, maybe which they which won't replace. Isn't that Jimmy impressive? Lincoln. No, but it's I, something. I, I found that <laughs> impressive. It, wasn't it? Weren't, weren't they the first team ever to lose both the ends to the draft? They can't be. Or, or you no, know, I, I remember what well, what it was going to be. If the second guy would have gotten drafted in the first round, they were the first team ever to have two first round DNs. Okay, that's what it was. That, make, that makes more. But sense. he ended um, up he ended up falling to the early second. But you know, the one thing that I'll say is they may have to get outside their comfort zone against Miami because yeah. you know Manny Diaz, you're going to have to coach. I, I mean the the only way that I feel like they're going to catch. Miami off guard is if they are just smothering deer King right on the other side of the ball. And then it's like a 16, 13 game because I don't think that they're going to score. Yeah. You're, you're going to have 30 plus. Points. You're going to have to keep it low scoring. Absolutely. Um, so I, I mean, Miami wins that one, but I'm not, that's not like a shot at app. I mean, I just think that Miami has higher grade talent. It's, across it's, the it's, board. It, it's Miami. Yeah. I mean, 20 years seems like a long time, but I mean, they're only 20 years removed from absolute dominance. Right. Um, and, and so they've th- gotten better. They're not the joke that they were under right. like Randy Shannon, guys like that. So, right. I mean, it's not nothing. Yeah, the, the, the U's, the U's slowly coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a- after that, they go home for a couple of weeks. They'll host Elon. That's a win. Apps win in that game. Yeah. 
They host Marshall on a Thursday. Now that's an interesting one. That's a Marshall. Right. Marshall's defense had them. Now I, I haven't looked into Marshall, so I don't know what defense they're returning, but Marshall had them in a straight jacket last year in that game that they played. Yeah, that game I was mean, ugly. that was an ugly low scoring game. I, I can't remember if it was the same game, but Marshall's quarterback in one of these types of games threw yeah. like three picks or something and yeah. they still won. It, I don't think it I don't think it was that game, but yeah, no, he, so Grant Wells was, was Marshall's quarterback last year, started the season off ridiculous. Like sports center was profiling him. Like this kid's the real deal, blah, blah, blah. And then after like four games of him just absolutely dominating, he threw like five picks. They came out and played some no, nothing. Team. Right. And he threw like five picks. He threw like five picks and they lost by, um, I think they played rice. Remember. Yeah, that's who it was. It was, it was rice. rice. Yeah. Yeah. The owls. Yeah. So, so, you know, just really quick, I went back and looked at the Marshall app game. Um, app was ranked going into that game. Yeah. Uh, 23rd. Uh, Grant Wells uh, overcame throwing 11 of 25 for 163 in an interception, which is disgusting. Awful. But I will say in that game, Brendan Knox, uh, who has since been uh, drafted or, or went into the draft, uh, ran all over App for 130. Yeah, I was about to say their touchdown. running back had a good game. So, I mean, you know, that might be more of the same because I don't think Grant Wells is throwing Marshall to a win against App. So right. we'll no, see. I, I would this year I would I would give that game to App. You know, and then this is where their schedule kind of gets interesting. You go to Georgia State. See, that's an interesting game, although Georgia State has always just folded against App. Now, I I don't have the series history in front of me, but to my recollection, it's got to be heavily favored by App. Yeah. Appalachian State and Georgia State. It's been a hammer and a nail relationship as far as I can remember. I don't I don't know if Georgia State has ever beaten App State. Hey, we were in that boat. Yeah, we, we were but, in that I boat mean, for a long time. But you guys have the have the years here and there where you don't have to play App, whereas right. Georgia State has to play them every year and every God, year. That it's sucks. Like, it's God, that it's sucks. just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's and such you know, like I'm, I'm, a, a beat down. You, you brought that up, how there's one team in the East we don't play every year. And it is a damn shame that this year our team is Coastal Carolina. Yep. Like, I was yep. hoping that game was going to be week one, prime time. Like, put it on, bring college game day. Let's hash it out. Yeah. But, you know. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll play in the conference championship against each other. Um, we'll see. So you know, while while you pull up the the history between, so I've got it. Okay. App State is seven and zero against Georgia State, and every time they've met, um, oh no, the largest margin of victory was 2014 oh when no. App won 44 to zero. Oh. Um. Still not worse than our worst loss to App. Uh. Let's see. The margin of victory last year. Okay, App only won seventeen thirteen last year. Yeah, that was a good game last year. Uh, but in two thousand nineteen, it was fifty six to twenty seven. Yeah, our worst loss to App State 
It was Mark Hudspeth's final game at Louisiana in 2017. We went up. Our our, our players had, had folded, given up on the coaching staff. Blah blah blah. It was, you know, it was one of those games. Mm-hmm. We lost 63 to 14. Yeah. That uh, that yeah that wasn't a whole lot of fun. The one thing that I'll say, and I'm on that website, Winsipedia, where yeah, you can just type. I in love Winsipedia. So when you look at the little bar graph, that's like the margin of victory. Right. It, it does get smaller every year. And last year, that four point margin for app was the smallest. Yeah, it was win it was a good had. game last year. Yeah, I re- I remember Georgia State having a shot to win late, and I think App got a pick to end it. I, I mean, it just depends. Can can Georgia State put it together right. against them? Because Georgia State tends to get up for weird games that they, they do. probably shouldn't. They do. And then you watch a game like that, and you're like, oh, this will be a good one. You know, these two teams are, you know, Georgia State can get up for anybody, and it's 56 to 27, right. and you're like, what is happening? Right. Why did this happen? So, I mean, we'll see. Georgia State has their chance, uh, you know, at home to get their first ever win over App in the series history. And then after that Georgia State game, they come down to Cajun country on a Tuesday night at Louisiana. You know, I'm going to stay impartial here. This is going to be a great game. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And I think Louisiana wins. I think it's the combination of having a home game, having the most experienced quarterback in the game. Yep. Uh, as far as Sunbelt play, which which I mean, uh, something we haven't been able to say the last couple of years playing app. Yeah. So, you know, you finally get past the Zach Thomas and the Taylor Lim era of app football. And you Thank guys God. face a guy who's incoming for the first time has yet to play a full season in the conference and watch him throw 3000 yards. Uh, I mean, I mean if, <laughs> if the Duke season's any indication, well, I, I don't know. Let's cut the guy some slack. It was COVID. It was, but well, it's like anytime you complete what was it, fifty percent of your passes, less than fifty percent, and under under a one to one touchdown interception ratio, it's tough to stomach. It yeah. doesn't matter where it doesn't. You could have played, you know, for the right. Looney Tunes against <laughs> the Monstars, <laughs> and it wouldn't have been easy to like. Speaking of which, that. we're gonna have to have an episode where where we where we talk about the new Space Jam. Uh, it, it'll be a solo one because I'm not gonna watch it. To be honest, man, as as a as a diehard fan of the original, it wasn't terrible. Which I mean, obviously, you know your your rating system shouldn't be. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. Well, but, I was so surprised. Two out of five stars. Right, right. the The special effects of it all were really cool. And then Warner Brothers put like an Easter egg hunt together. So, like in the crowd of the game, you had. King Kong, you had the mystery machine. Um, yeah, I read it was just had, Ready Player had, One with basketball. Right, it's basically what it was. Uh, but yeah. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, back back on topic. After Louisiana, they have a bye week, uh, much needed break, because right after that bye week on a Wednesday night, they go to Myrtle Beach and play Coastal. Well, I, I take that back. They host Coastal Carolina. Uh, yeah, let me, let me rephrase that. They host Coastal Carolina. Now, I think this is going to be a close game. Oh, on the surface, this, this might be this might be the Sun Belt game of the year. Yeah, I mean, unless App, unless App just from the from game three, we can tell they're just not the same team as they have been. I think this is going to be a really close game. Yep. 
I I think that they hand Coastal their. I think this is Coastal's like one loss only loss for the yep. year. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, because it's you know you mentioned what Wednesday night in Boone seven thirty. I'm sure they're gonna have a blackout with the like fans wearing you know every everybody's wearing black teams wearing all black. I mean, I could see them getting up for that game. Now, like I said, Chase Bryce turns in a bad couple of first games. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to completely pivot because I haven't seen him play in the Sun Belt. Right. So, and then, you know, you stay at home 10 days later, you host ULM for homecoming. I mean, we, we can chart that up for what it's going to be. I mean, that's, that's a win. That's a, that's a destruction. Unless, unless you just, yeah. Unless you just sleepwalk into that game. I don't see yeah, a route, right. a route in which ULM can ULM win that Monroe game. doesn't get the, right. their doors blown off. And then you go to Jonesboro, play Arkansas state. Could be a good a game. Win. It depends on which version of Arkansas state shows up to me. I, I think that's a win, but yeah, I mean, it's a win, but it's not going to be an easy one. No. I, well, the the thing I'll say is if if app secondary it stands up to where they were last year, I could see Arkansas State getting really frustrated yeah. uh, at trying to throw the ball as, as much as they typically want to and just not being able to do it. So, I, I mean, I think app wins that game. I'm not going to say it's going to be a good game because, again, I don't know what version of the Red Wolves we're getting. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. It's that that game, like we just said, that game's going to depend on which version of Arkansas State you get. Right. After that, they go back home, South Alabama. That's a win. You think? It, yeah, That's I a mean, win. It, it's a win. South Alabama definitely played, and we'll get into them when we do their preview. But they played above where we thought they were going to yeah, be last year. For sure. So for sure, they may take a couple strides this year and be a better team. Um. Let me ask you this question, and and maybe I, I guess I should have saved this for the South Alabama preview. If everything just shook a weird way, would you be shocked to see South Alabama as the second best team in the West? No. Okay. No, I would. I not. mean, that's that's my that's my point. Especially, especially like, not this coming <laughs> year with Kane Walmack as a head coach. Yeah, I I I think they will contend for the second best team in the West this year. Yeah, because who are the other you know who are the other teams? You know, Monroe Arkansas and Texas State, State are going to be are going to be right. bottom feeders. We we project so it, it's um, it's a it's a three man race. It's us, Arkansas State, and South Alabama. Well, I only meant for second place in the West. I mean, oh, I think yeah, you guys then that's win a, the then West, that's a two man race. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas so State. I, South I mean, Alabama. I think that they just they need to play well enough to overcome Arkansas State. For sure. And then you okay. go to and then you go to Troy. So one of these two teams is going to give App a game. It's either going to be South Alabama or Arkansas, Troy. No, Arkansas, Arkansas State, State or Troy. Troy. Yeah, because they're I so similar. That. But but one game is going to be a twenty-one point win, and the other one is going to be three points right. and go down to the wire. Right. So that's my projection. Now, which one of these two teams? I don't know because it's like flipping a coin and deciding that way. And then you know, we're we're going to reenact Thanksgiving on on November twenty seventh. The the Indians the Indians and the Pilgrims. App State and Georgia Southern, that's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, I, I project App to win that game. I'm not I'm not confident at all that will even. And, and, and no, no, home, no, offense, no offense to you guys. I, I, I wouldn't be confident. However, this isn't the, the year for that. However, this is in the Sun Belt, at least the rivalry of rivalries. 
which oh yeah, which has always been a thing where anything can happen. I mean, God, I, I, I will say that run that we had up until we lost to them last year. I, I mean, I didn't think we were going to win any of those games. Yeah, so. It's it's a little bit of a stretch to say anything could happen, but it I mean it really could. Um, really, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I look mean, at we uh, we play at home, it, the crowd's rocking. Uh, it, it's TBD on Saturday, but you have to imagine it's going to be their night game, uh, rivalry I, I, game I, I, of I, the year for the Sun Belt. So. I hate I hate to break it to you, Brian. It's in Boone. Oh my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was it's, looking at it's the, in Boone. I was looking at the uh, the the Georgia Southern schedule and read it the wrong way. Yeah, but, so it's in Boone. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we we have won. I think one time in Boone since 2010. Yeah. So, but I'm, you know, the, the, like I brought up you know the rivalry of rivalries and how in a rivalry game anything can happen. You look you look at our game with UL Monroe, which you know call it a rivalry if you want. Um, it, it's kind of a forced upon rivalry, but but it was close two years ago. Yeah, right. the but the two years the two years before this past one where we beat them seventy to twenty. Yeah, we only won those two games because they didn't have a field goal kicker. Right. The dude the dude hit the post two years in a row. Yeah. On on a game winning field goal, and we ended up surviving. We didn't even win. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and we were 10, 14 point favorites in both of those games. Yeah. So when, mean, when it comes when it comes to rivalry games, man, anything can happen. Plus, it's like that late in the season, you have no idea who's right. going to be injured at that point. You don't know what teams are playing for. Yeah. Like if if app is somehow out of the running for the app, East. App could have nothing to lose and you guys could have everything to gain. Or, I, I mean, I'm not even saying that we would leapfrog them in the standings. I just mean, if App is out of the race for the East, let's say going into the last game, they're two games back of Coastal. So they have no shot to right. make it to the, the conference title game. And then it's like a bowl game is hinged on whether we win or not. Right. I, could, I mean, I could see us just going all out. But, yeah. I mean, if it's... If if all, everything's equal and it's like App is still kind of in the the hunt for the East, but we are like toiling sure. around at seven and five ish or six and seven. That, that's an App I could win. Them, I could see them just blowing our doors off again. So, so what what are you thinking? Ten and two for the Mountaineers this year? Yeah, I would say. I mean, there is, is there is there a one win improvement from last year? I think there is a world where they finish the exact same as last year. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I can see that. like Miami, Marshall, Louisiana, Louisiana Coastal. Coastal. I mean, they could even be a game worse than they were last Georgia year. Georgia Southern. I, I don't see Georgia Southern them well, losing to us, but I think that those four games, I think they could potentially lose all four. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't know what Marshall looks like, but I mean, they could potentially be nine and four at the end of the look, year. Look out, like for, a look out for East Carolina too, man. I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't, I, know I, don't, I, don't I don't know much about them either, but it's a neutral site game. You, uh, COVID it, happened last year, but they finished three and six. Uh, they allowed 35 points per game okay. on defense. So app, app runs them over. <laughs> yeah. I just take, take, I mean, take they, them they off the seem, list. They seem to be the um, 
Texas State of yeah. like the American. Yep. Where it's like they've had a couple of nice little runs and that's over now. But right. And so right. now it's just like <laughs> now it's just, it is what it is. Just they yeah, they're there. But yep. yeah, you know, man, ra- wrapping up here next week is uh is gonna be a fun one, especially for you. Uh, we get to cover your Georgia Southern Eagles. I mean, I, I'm sure people can tell by the tone in which I talk about them uh, when we discuss t- other team, better teams uh, schedules. Um, I don't have spoiler spoiler. Everybody. I don't have, I don't have very high hopes for them this year. So you're, you're going to hear a very like, eh. well, that's, well, that's <laughs> just a shame. I mean, shame it, on you, Brian. I mean, listen, man, I, I said this going into last year. If they couldn't make it work last year with right. like shy Wirtz's last year and they still found a way to like lose games they shouldn't have and weren't in the, the, the hunt for the East after like October 1st. Right. I don't, I don't have, I don't have very high hopes for a new quarterback, a bunch of new position players. I mean, it's see in 2022. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. But we'll we'll do that next week. Uh, Brian, man, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stones. And you can find me on Twitter at Miguez Matt, capital M's. Man, as always, it's been fun. And uh, like I said, next week, Georgia Southern, we'll have fun with it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.